all fronts. I didn't bench hear me last time. I don't know. That was kind of strange. But, all right. You can see us okay? Wait. Yeah. I can't hear you, Levi. You can't hear me? Can you hear me through the through your headphones? I'm not, no, no, no. I'd turn that off. Do you want to hear me through the headphones? Can you hear me through the headphones? No. But hold on, hold on. Then how are you listening to me? I can hear you with my real voice. Let me turn off my amp. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Is this your thing about your headphones again? Here. Can you hear me now in your headphones? Yes, that's okay. perfect. Seriously? Okay. I just hear the delay echo all the time. Is that going to be an issue? It's not. It's just kind of All right, annoying. you can turn it off. I'll turn on my uh, sound. AD has these really fancy headphones. That I won. And, and he's bragging about them yeah. all the time. That's, that's yeah, literally like, what I'm doing man. right now. Too complicated. My technology's off. All right. <laughs> Did you turn them off? I turned it off. Can you hear me now? Can Hello? you hear me now? Hmm, this is weird. I'll just turn the monitoring on. It's fine. That's fine. Is that okay? It's fine, yeah. Hey, Rachel, can you hear us? Yes. Okay. I'm hearing all of this. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I wish I wasn't hearing this, but unfortunately, I am. Yeah. No, it's good. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Here we go, guys. Welcome to the yeah. Blacklight Podcast. We're so excited to be here. We have Rachel Havel here, the magnificent, the insanely talented, the businesswoman of the ages. You're funny. Photographer. <laughs> Rachel Havel, thank you for being here. How are thanks, you? Rachel. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I think this is the first time we've done a proper intro. I actually, I was going to say we need to do an intro because we did an intro binge last time. Oh, and really? I, I was like, oh, people may not know. They'll know by looking at the episode title, the name of the person, but we never introed him. So <laughs> you are officially intro- introduced to the uh, to the audience, Rachel. Well, thank you. Well done. <laughs> Rachel, uh, t- tell us about. Uh, oh, I just cut AD off. Uh, tell us about where you are living right now and the place where you reside. I live in Colorado Springs, at the base of the mountains in Colorado. <laughs> are you from Colorado? Um, no, I'm originally from California, but I oh. mostly grew up in Colorado Springs. Oh, I didn't yeah, that. yeah. My dad was in the military, so we landed here a long time ago and um, have left and come back multiple times. Where was the best place that you left to go? We lived in Hawaii for a little while. <laughs> Sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it was Ooh. pretty awesome. Did you have poke in Hawaii? Oh, you poke? bet. Can you tell me the difference between Hawaiian poke and what I might have here in the States? Um, probably variation and freshness. Okay, obviously yeah. it's fresher because it's yeah. from it's right yeah. in the ocean. Yeah. But it's not a totally different thing. Like If I go to Hawaii no. and ask for poke, I yeah. would not get something that I've never seen before. Mm, no, yeah, probably not. Just a different flavor. But yeah, it's similar. The same chopped, it's like chopped sushi, essentially. I'm glad you asked that, AD, because I was wondering about that. You are wondering about freshness of sushi? No, I was wondering or, if a poke bowl that we would eat in Denver yeah. is actually a real poke bowl, or like just something that's been appropriated from Hawaiian culture. Because it's, it's Hawaiian, right? It's yeah. not, yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. But I love poke. I had some yesterday. Yeah. It's, have Sunday. you guys been to like <laughs> LL or L&L barbecue? No. Is that oh, in Denver? I don't know. They have one down here, but it's Hawaiian food. Oh, just Hawaiian food? Yeah. Like, everything in Hawaii is mac salad and a scoop of rice on this side, basically. So Macaroni it's a variation. salad? Yeah, literally. So, like, you could get, like, the famous breakfast is Locomoco. So it's, like, uh, two scoops of rice with, like, a steak on top and gravy and eggs and, like, a side of mac salad. <laughs> That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, been a while. I, I might have missed or added some things, but it's yeah. basically crazy. Yeah, everything sounds good. I don't know if I like macaroni salad. That sounds yeah, it, it sounds strange, but I bet I could. It could be amazing. It's like cold macaroni with like peas and some of that, and like mayonnaise. Um, yeah, I mean, like everyone's gonna do it different, but essentially, yeah, mayonnaise and mustard probably, and some celery and cold, yeah. fat macaroni noodles. Yeah, goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Heart attack on a plate, basically. <laughs> goodness. <laughs> okay, Rachel, you live yeah. in Colorado Springs now. Yeah. Tell us about your journey. You've been a photographer for how long? Um, for basically 10 years. Oh, dang, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's a long time. I would say professionally for more like eight years, um, but I photographed my first wedding 10 years ago in Hawaii, actually. Um, so, yeah, that was fun. First, it was a Craigslist wedding, and she went for it, and I went for it, and thank God it Wait worked a out. Your first wedding, you got off a of Craigslist? Yeah. 
Yeah. How did you how did you know you wanted to do that before you did it? Like Well, I started doing photography when we moved to Hawaii. My husband knew I was interested and basically bought me a camera for our five year anniversary and said just see where this takes you. And if anything else, we're going to live in Hawaii and we've got kids. So photograph our life. And so, um, I just would like put the kids down for a nap every day and Hawaii is gorgeous. So I would just walk around our property and photograph everything. I mean, like, you know, bananas and plants and (laughs) sunsets and whatever. Um, but I just practiced learning my camera and then I started photographing friends and then, one day I had a family ask me to photograph them, which I did. And then they threw me some money and I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, I, I had friends and family that encouraged me. They're like, yeah, people would totally pay you to do this. And I think in early on I had wished like to photograph weddings. I just thought that would be the coolest thing to do and never thought I would actually do it. Just more like a, that'd be fun. So, um, threw it out there on Craigslist and a bride found me and, uh, hired me. So, yeah. Was that bride from Hawaii or was she coming there for a destination wedding? Um, no, I think she lived in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's so cool. Um, all right. So I have so many questions because it seems like you have run the gamut of experiences from having, uh, Craigslist weddings to which I know having, uh, weddings featured all over the place. All your be- your work is so beautiful. So Thanks. I can't wait to pick your brain about you know the industry and your thoughts yeah. on on things like that. But I want to ask you a little bit about your kids. Uh, yeah. How how old are your kids? I have three kids. My oldest just turned fourteen, um, and she is pretty cool, as you know, AD. You've met my yeah. kids. <laughs> yeah. But she um, came. She's the one who spoke at uh, the story night, which yeah, yeah you told a yeah, story yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. 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 That's so yeah. cool. She's an old soul, like very analytical, very musical. So um, it's interesting. Like a lot of people think like, oh, God, you have a teenager. And I'm like, actually, she's pretty awesome. So um, my son is 12. And then my youngest daughter is almost eight years old. Okay, so this is the weird out of left field question. Yeah. Um, Because we talked about this last week on the pod. We were like, okay, what are kids today? What are they afraid of? Like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because, um, la- you know, when we were young, people were afraid of like quicksand. I'm not going to go into quicksand, but that's what people <laughs> were afraid of. Uh, have you talked to your kids about any sort of fears they might have or like things that might run rampant in sort of child culture? Yeah. Child present. culture. Well, this is a child. <laughs> quicksand is a very much a child culture thing. It like, is. It's so <laughs> weird. Like. As an adult, I'm not afraid of quicksand whatsoever. Well, yeah, yeah. moderately afraid. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, what what do you think about that? What are the kids scared of these days? Yeah. um, You know, AD kind of asked me this yesterday, so I've had a little bit of time to think about it, but I still would say the same thing. With my youngest, I don't even know. When my kids were younger, I would say aliens. But honestly, the thing that I told him, truthfully, is what we are talking about is more real life stuff. Like, my kids are actually scared about somebody coming to school with a gun um so they're very real conversations that we're having that is really unfortunate and as much as i'd like to like shield my kids from the news like all of their friends have phones and access to that and are watching videos straight out of any of the shootings that are happening so yeah it's it's hard because i can't offer any real promise that it's not going to happen you know, she'll say things like, well, we live in a small town and go to a small school, so it probably wouldn't happen here. And I'm just like, I don't want to say, like, you're totally wrong. I just She says that, your daughter. Yeah. All I can say is, like, we just can't live life in fear. We have to do our best, but we can't live life in fear. So, um, yeah, it's really sad, but that it is our culture. Is It is Dang, realistic. That is, that, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's, like, really powerful, though, because I... <laughs> It's very disarming because of the reality of the situation, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and yeah, of course, like bullies and that kind of ties into that, too. But um, and I don't want to, you know, I don't know. Like, I would hate to say that I feel the same thing. But we went to like the Chili Festival last weekend and it was sort of in the back of my mind, like, 
you're hearing about people gunning down other people at these like random odd things because there was like the Gilroy Garlic Festival that happened recently and so um, there was kind of like a dispute happening when we were down there between a guy and the security guard and I just like it sort of sunk into the back of my mind like oh my god like what if somebody decided to come on in here and roll in with a gun and it sucks like that's what our culture is right now it does suck like there's no other way to put it like the fact that our culture is a culture of fear like it's sort of always this underlying like sort of illness that yeah. we're always deal with things some it's some it's like your arm hurts but sometimes you don't feel it but you move it the, the right way and then there it is again fear yeah um, it's so does do you think that comforts her when you tell her that like hey don't have that like don't live in fear and does that help when you have that conversation with her um sure Sometimes. And it just depends. Did something just happen and we're having this conversation or not? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is like anxiety is huge with kids and it's natural. And actually I'm reading a book called The Teenage Brain and they talk about anxiety and how in adults, when we have anxiety, we have like um, something that is triggered to offset the anxiety and calm us. And there is this like relieving effect. But in the teenage mind, that actually doesn't work. It triggers and it actually increases the anxiety. Mm-hmm. So kids don't even have the proper like mental ability to handle it. And so I just think like it, it's, I don't know, it's really interesting because we've dealt with anxiety a lot, especially with my oldest. And, um, you know, I think like we talk a lot about mindset and just like what what seeds are she is she planting in her mind? You know, is she planting positivity? Is she planting fear? Um, and that they will grow. You know, this is Earl Nightingale has a quote, and he talks about how our mind is a field, and no matter what we plant, it will grow it. And our mind doesn't care what we plant; it will grow it. And so, we kind of talk a lot about like you know whatever comes along, you don't have to plant that in your mind. You need to let it go. And so. Um, we focus a lot on on that, just with anything, any sort of anxiety, because we, unfortunately for my children, we have lost a child and we have lost a lot of people in our life um, in their young childhood. Yeah, thank you. Um, so they've had to deal with it a lot, which I think is only kind of like increased the anxiety they feel. So when we talk about things like, you know, guns at school, it's hard because I think because when you experience the... Um, you know, when you're the one in 100, it makes that feel a little more real in your life again, that that's yeah. possible. Yeah. Does it feel like this strange familiarity? Like it's, it's not familiar, but it, it feels parallel to something that you've already experienced? Um, no, no, honestly, not so much. I mean, I think we're, fr- you know, my son passed away like almost 10 years ago. And so we've kind of worked through that. But I would say the first five years, it was like constant fear and I'm sure they fed off of that from us so um but no it feels far enough away where I think we can be more realistic about it yeah well thanks for sharing that that's yeah 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 so sorry to hear that Rachel thanks Um, thank you for sharing it because I know it's it's important to talk about you know yeah Uh, I love those words you said about mindset and just to shift the conversation a little bit to photography are there things that you uh, that you plant in sort of your business world and your the way you approach uh, imagery uh, that seem to come to fruition uh, now? Yeah, I, like- I mean, business and imagery for me are two very separate things. Um, mm. You know, photography is very much a craft, whereas business is very much a skill and uh, a skill set. That you yeah. have to learn and execute. I mean, photography is skill set as well, but you know, finding your vision is more of an organic thing, as you guys probably know. It really just takes time going out there, playing around, trying stuff. I mean, I think we all probably can look at a scenario and see different things, sure. and translating that into a photo. You know, that's maybe a mindset, but. Yeah, with business, I think that's totally different. And um, I think mindset is huge. It's everything. Because the truth is, is like you can let anything 
holds you back or nothing holds you back. And that really all comes down to whether you believe you're capable or not. Hmm. Um, what, what have you felt like, sorry, what, what yeah. have you felt like have been the things that have held you back in the past? Um, I know like uh, initially when I started out, just living in Colorado Springs alone felt like a huge setback because yeah. I, everybody lived in Denver, you know, like everyone and their mom, but like two yeah. of us were down here. Yeah. Um, so I was it, one of them. I lived yeah. in Colorado Springs with you and yeah. uh, well, not with you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I felt that too, but anyway, please continue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it feels like a huge disadvantage because it's not just like you want to grab lunch or coffee. I mean, I and I had at the time um, a two and a four year old. And so not only was I dealing with, you know, the proximity to everybody else, but I had to deal with finding childcare and having a coffee meeting in dinner in Denver meant getting a babysitter and carving out four to six hours out of my day to meet one person. Um, so that was like really hard, but I think like my mindset shift for that was like, no one's going to drive to me. Even if I ask them, they might, but no one should have to drive to me. And if Denver is where everybody is, then Denver is where I need to be. And I think like a lot of people, even still people will go, Oh, I did. I thought you lived in Denver. And it's because like, I don't say where I live. Um, and I just make a point to be there and be at all the things. And for me, I just was like, I'm just going to make sure everybody knows my name. And I spent a lot of years doing that. And so I felt disadvantaged living here because yeah, everybody's getting together and like having dinner or watching like some, you know, the bachelor together or something. And I was like not invited cause I didn't live there. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I just was like, it forces me to be really specific about who I'm meeting and what I'm doing with my time. Um, because my time is so limited. So I think it created a lot more intentionality as I grew my business. I think there's a lot of photographers that can probably relate to what you just said. And so I'm curious to just try to pull out a bit more of your wisdom in this, because I think some photographers, they, they feel like one of the biggest things that they're fighting against is their location, whether they live yeah. in a smaller community or maybe they live in a place that isn't as quote-unquote photogenic. Um, mm-hmm. And feeling the pressure of that, yeah. And or some photographers may have children at home or other photographers may have a full time job outside of photography yeah. um, and that which they feel. So I'm curious about that journey for you of saying, you know what, maybe living in Colorado Springs isn't a liability. It's actually a possible asset or it's not something I should be be look at as, as a limiting factor. Yeah. What would you say to someone who is in those positions? They have a, a full time job or they don't feel like they live in an ideal location. Yeah. How can they help overcome some of those things that they may see as being, um, yeah, liability yeah. is quote unquote? Totally. I mean, I think the truth is, is everybody's going to have a different set of needs and a different desire and vision for where they want to be. Um, for me, early on, it was just asking myself, and I've asked a lot of people this, if a dream wedding inquiry landed in your inbox today, what would it look like? Where would it be? Who would you be working with? What would the budget be? And then you kind of work backwards and just say, who's working there? And try to connect with those people. So for me, I mean, I could have totally created a market here in Colorado Springs if I wanted to, you know? Because I've met people who are like, I don't want to leave my town. I'm perfectly happy. I'd rather sleep in my own bed at night. But for me, like I crave inspiration. So I love working in the mountains so much. And that's what I set out to do. So I was very intentional. I mean, I, I drove to Aspen to meet with a wedding planner in one day. And I drove back and I just met her. But like I was willing to do it. And that's like a four hour drive. And so... Um, you know, I think if you know where you want to go, that's the biggest part of it all is just being able to like find out how you want to take steps to get to that place. Um, we're so fortunate to work in a world where we have access to the internet and you could literally work anywhere you want to. Um, and you can get in touch with anybody you want to just because we have this like open market essentially. So for me, I decided you know, the market's not necessarily here where I want to work. So I just needed to go where the market and I needed to be where the market was and work with the people who are in the market I wanted to be in. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. I, go ahead. I just see, I just see a lot of photographers. I think that, and maybe this is just from posts on Facebook or social things where you see that there is, 
um, maybe not as much motivation as you've expressed to overcome some of those those things. And it's like, yeah. they, I want people, like almost like you said earlier, like people, sometimes I feel like they assume that people should come to them. Yeah. And I think you early on said like, no, no one's going to come to me. I got, I got to get out of here and like, yeah. and I need to find the work that I want to be doing yeah. and I expect it to drop in my lap. For sure. I knew if I was going up against two to four other photographers and I was the only one said, hey, can you come meet me down in Colorado Springs and drive an hour and a half after work, if not two hours because of traffic? Like they would have been like, no. But if they did, it just I don't know. It's starting off the client experience with a super negative taste in their mouth. And so I wasn't going to do that. And I wasn't even going to make them feel guilty or let them know that I drove up for them. I just was non communicative about where I lived or how inconvenient it was to get there. And if they asked, you know, I told them where I lived and most of the time they're like, oh my gosh, like, thanks for coming up. But I just never made it seem like it was a burden to me. And I actually love it so much because I listen to so many podcasts. I have decided that I'm not really going to read books anymore. I am only listening to them on, <laughs> on audiobook because I, I spend so much time driving. Like I am getting through books like at one to two weeks. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. which isn't great for my bank account because I'm spending a lot more money on audiobooks. But um, yeah. Do you know, you can, uh, you can share audiobooks with your friends. So, if you have some audiobooks that you okay. think I might like, like, yeah. What kind of audiobooks do you listen to, Rachel? I don't think she's lis- interested in listening to your fantasy novels. Either. Listen, they're really great books. <laughs> Demon Borgir and, they... and the Knight of the Butter. I'm not listening to what I said. Yeah. What kind of, yeah. I just want to know what kind of fantasy books you're listening to. I mean, what kind of books you're <laughs> what listening to. What kind of fantasy to? books? Okay. <laughs> um, like maybe Harry Potter. I don't know. <laughs> but... uh, no, no. Re- have you listened to Harry Potter? I hear that's like okay. one of the best audiobooks. So ever. I only have the first Harry Potter book, and I bought it for my kids. Um, my my daughter has read like all the books through and through, um, and I would like to read the books, but I I love consuming information. Um, yeah. I am like addicted to learning, so I'm constantly listening to business books or self help books or anything that has to do with my personal life. Um, like the teenage brain has been really interesting, but like when it's late at night or I've had a lot of information already, I'll turn on like Harry Potter or something a little bit more entertaining. So, yeah. yeah. What's Fair the enough. best book you feel like you've listened to or read in the past, you know, past few months about, about business? If you had to recommend a book, what would you recommend? Oh gosh. Um, I enjoyed You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. I think I'm saying her name correctly. Um, it's interesting. I had a conversation with my hairdresser the other day about this which is kind of the funniest sentence that just came out of my life (laughs) Uh, she actually she runs her own business and she's young and like literally she's across the street from my house so we always go in and talk about business so it's really fun but um she was saying she's really woo woo which is pretty true and she's very much into manifesting but i think sorry what's that she's very woo woo is that what you said woo woo yeah a little like uh, yeah, like, <laughs> like this, like, What does that mean? No. Like spiritual or? Well, like, are you, do you think, are you saying like a, yeah. Do you know what it means, Levi? I, I haven't understand it. It's like if you said someone's granola, I'd be like, yeah, I, I can understand what that means. I know what granola is. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard woo-woo. Woo-woo, I think, is probably more into the, like, so like in her book, she talks a lot about like the universe and talking to the universe and the universe bringing you what you want. And this is her philosophy on my art manifesting. Okay. Uh, but here's the deal. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting book and it's pretty entertaining. And I think you can take the philosophy of manifesting and break it down into some simpler elements and ultimately what I would call it is self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, there's this quote, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And what that means is that if you're willing to behold beauty, you will, you'll see it everywhere you go. I mean, just like Uh, gratitude and intentionality. If that's what you like base your life on, you're going to start finding and seeing those things. And that's essentially what manifesting is. She gets a little bit more specific as far as like manifesting a certain lifestyle and that lifestyle will come to you. But her whole point is that when you set your mind towards something, you're going to start seeing opportunities in the world that you didn't see before. So if you want to get a non woo woo version of mindset, I actually will retract that book because I think the 
best book I've read in the last few months is called The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. And that book is badass. And it's literally a 30-minute read. um, And it's basically, if you've ever read any business book in the last 50 years, you can pull out, like, Earl Nightingale's information from those books. They are all based off of these ideas of what success is and how to achieve success. And he redefines it as the pursuit of a goal versus the achievement of a goal. Um, so if you are pursuing a goal, you are being successful because That's he cool. talks how a lot of people just aren't even pursuing it at all. But he talks a lot about mindset as well. And the whole planting, you know, things in your mind, that's from Earl Nightingale as well. And so that's been really great stuff, um, to read. He wrote it in like the fifties. So, you know, (laughs) he has a little, uh, audio recording that you can find on Spotify. That's free, but it definitely sounds like fifties recording, but I will say like, as a woman, it's a very man centric book. He talks, you know, when he does mention women, he mentions them as teachers are in the home. <laughs> so oh, you sort okay. of have to yeah. pass and I have to kind of translate in my mind as we go. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I kind of got to, yeah, leave that up at the table. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, about the manifesting though, I, I was actually talking to a friend about this and, and I forget which book he'd recommended, but he was kind of saying some of the same thing as like you would, you manifest, say, hey, this is my goal. You'd like literally say it out loud to yourself. Yeah. Say, this is what we're going to do. And whatever, let's say in six months. In six months, we're going to achieve this financial goal. We're yeah. going to do these kinds of shoots. We're going to like basically saying whatever it is that you want out loud and like reiterating it. Um, and I think the idea of self-fulfilling prophecy is a good way to describe it, where it's like if you start saying it out loud and start, you start believing it, and you start, oh, yeah. I actually, we can do this. This is what, this is what our intention is. This is what we're doing. And you actually start to, instead of it just being out there somewhere where it's like, yeah. yeah, maybe you actually speak it out. And I think there is an element of accountability when you say out loud that people yeah. are like, hey, are you going to do that thing you said you were going to do? Yeah. That kind of kicks you into gear. So I yeah. I, don't know, I think there's a big, a, uh, a lot of power in manifesting oh, your, totally. your future. Yeah. yeah, I hated the idea of manifesting. And we talked about my business coach a while ago, Rachel, but yeah. that was the first thing she was like, tell me your dreams. And I was like, Oh yeah. my gosh, am I paying you for this? You know, and yeah. then sh- show me your vision board and all that stuff. And then from there we worked backwards and made yeah. like action steps to make those things happen. Yeah. yeah. Rachel, tell us about your success that you have manifested and the journey that you are on too. <laughs> wow. See, I, I don't know. That's really funny. One of I was telling my friends about this. She's like, well, what are you manifesting? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, like a $20,000 wedding. That's what I'm going. No. Um, I don't know. You know, I think I will say reading these things have been a little bit um, encouraging because I feel like these are some uh, qualities that I've already had within myself that I've never like, I don't know, read a book or whatever. And I'm just realizing like these are great qualities that I like have. My dad was such a great person and role model. And he just has always said, you know, growing up, like I can achieve anything I want to. You know, he said, if you work hard and you are focused, you can achieve whatever you want. And, um, that's always stuck with me. And that's just been my mindset in life. And, um, you know, I early on in photography, like my goal was to, um, by the time my youngest was in kindergarten, be basically full-time in photography. So that's a lot of what I was working towards initially. And, you know, I was before she was in kindergarten, I was, you know, doing photography full time. And so it is, it's a lot of goal setting, but I think the thing I like about manifesting is it gets a lot more specific about where you're going and I'm good at creating goals, but, you know, manifesting the whole idea is to be a little bit more obsessive about your goals and they're something that's on your mind lately. So I think for me, I'm trying to like identify like, where am I going now? Like, what is, what is the next step? And um, yeah, working on that. I don't know. It's, it's been awesome. I've been really grateful for where my business has gone. And, um, I feel like I've achieved a lot of the goals that I've worked towards. And so just keeping going, keeping growing is yeah. my goal. Yeah. That's Did, so lovely. What was, uh, one of your first big goals that you were like, man, this is like you mentioned, I think a big goal obviously was going full time. Um, yeah. what was like, did you have like a achievement you were hoping to like, I want to shoot a wedding in this location or for this price or what yeah. was one of your earlier goals that you had had that's many, maybe long in the past now that you kind yeah. of 
that give you hope that for the future. Yeah, there's like little mile markers, I remember, um, which was one was like shooting a wedding in Aspen. And I did that. And um, getting published in Martha Stewart was one of those huge ones for me that I was really excited about. That's a big deal. Um, photographing, like like uh, being booked for 10,000, that was exciting. I just, you know, it's funny because it's a lot like when I first started where I was like, oh, I'd love to photograph weddings and that'd be awesome. And then I did it, you know, and it's like, it feels like that sort of thing where my business has felt very organic. Um, granted, it's not without any with, uh, effort. It's been a lot of hard work and intentionality. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think like, I've made goals to like make sure everybody knows who I am. Like, so I'm very active, like within the community still and, you know, making sure like my name gets out there, but yeah, like I, you hit these goals and you think they're going to feel a certain way sometimes and then they don't. And then you're like, it's still cool. And what's next, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, well done, Rachel. It's good to hear that. Um, I have a couple of questions about, uh, what, the ladies do when they get together and watch The Bachelor. And that kind of stuff. I have no idea. I am oh, the least not... with it person ever. Also, I, I think that's a question for any group of people because I have a lot of guy friends yeah. that also get together and watch The Bachelor. Okay. Really? Yeah. You know, okay. okay. Yeah, that's cool. I've Nothing seen it. I've seen the show. It's not that I. I don't know. I don't really tick that way. So. Yeah. Um, that's fun and like. Reality TV shows can be fun and addicting. I had my time with like the Real Housewives series. That was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. but, I actually yeah. have you heard of the show The Bachelor of Provo? Oh my god, okay. I have no idea. Is that for Mormon Bachelor? Yeah, it was the Mormon <laughs> version of The Bachelor. Oh, and I was just like that. super dorky guy on yeah. YouTube. And Very I just pure got sucked in. episodes, I'm sure. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> like, oh, he kissed a girl the last year. You know, that kind of thing. It was yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah. And they had to change the name for like a lawsuit kind of thing. But, uh, wow. Or copyright stuff. But wow. It was yeah. really, really funny and horrible to watch. Yeah. But. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, really, the only reason I asked that, because I know it's silly, but I have this, Levi and I, we've come, gone to some events, you know, locally where it's like, oh, there. this is, this feels like. Uh, a ladies club and we don't feel you know all, we don't always feel like we fit in you know that yeah, kind okay. of thing but yeah. I have that idea of just like no we have to go we have to keep doing this we gotta keep pushing and I've always had the thought that the the industry is a, is a woman's industry you know and then I've also heard the other side is that uh, that's only to a point you know yeah. and so what do you think about that Rachel yeah I mean, it is such an interesting thing because um, it is a heavy female-dominated industry. Uh, and I think depending on where you go, I was talking to a videographer about this, and she was saying videography, though, is very male-dominated, and there's oh. not a lot of females in that. So I think that was a little interesting side note. But, sure. um, you know... It's interesting. And I, I know, like, I've invited you to stuff before, AD, and you were like, are there going to be any guys there? And I was like, nope, just you. Um, because Definitely. I don't know I'll other there. guys. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, can I bring a friend? You brought Levi. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, sure. But yeah, it, it just, there isn't a lot of men. And I'm sure there's elements that women, I don't know, perpetuate that because you know, I'm going to the mountains and if I hire a guy to come with me, I have to get book him a separate room. Whereas if I hire a female, then we're just going to share a room, you know? Um, right, so right, sure. I don't know, not that that gets less men into the industry, but it, it is interesting. I feel like, um, while there are less men in the industry, the ones that are in the, the industry tend to rise to the top faster, um, huh. for lots of different reasons potentially, but it is, it is makes me wonder. I've had this conversation a lot with some girlfriends. Like, why yeah, is well, it? Like, why? Well, why is it? What do you, let's get yeah, into I'm, it. What I'm do really you curious. think yeah, are I'm, those reasons? Or yeah. What have you discussed with people? Yeah. Um, I think they're the easiest one initially is simply that uh, we're building a family. Like when when you get into like having children, there just is automatically this element where you are limited. Um, so 
Sorry, women are limited because women are limited because they're carrying a child. Yes. Um, For instance, there's a lot of delicacy around announcing like when you're pregnant uh, because you've booked clients and now you've become pregnant pretty close to their date. That happens and you sort of have to figure out how you're going to balance that. You know, I've had friends that have had to actually give away weddings um, and because, because they the birth date was coming or they were just yeah. like, can you shoot a wedding pregnant? I'm sure you can do that. Totally. Right? I mean, I yeah. my I was doing photography when my third or not third, but my my last my daughter was born and uh-huh. I was 38 weeks when uh, I shot my last wedding and which was awesome. I was actually considering buying a fake belly and wearing it to every wedding because everybody was like, would you like a seat? Would you like some food? I was like, this is lovely. Nobody ever asks me or feeds me. (laughs) um, I'm really curious to keep hearing what your um, more reasons, but I I had one interjection here I thought was really interesting is I had a friend who was almost in that exact same situation. So she was, she was pregnant with their, their third child. And she had booked a wedding, like this, I think the highest package wedding she had booked. And it was, I think it was, it might have been an elopement even. And it was yeah. serious money. And it was in Italy. And it was like an amazing opportunity like to, to have shot that wedding. But yeah. it was within weeks of her due date. And so she had to, oh, she chose it back to, you know, to pass on to the wedding. Yeah, even though she had booked it, she, gave, you know, she let them know. And, yeah. but it's like, yeah, like what you just mentioned is, I think, so, so interesting because that could have been like a really, incredible portfolio piece or experience and it was sounds like a great portfolio great money a lot of like wins across the board but that was a limiting factor that um and i don't don't think people necessarily talk about as much so i think it's really yeah yeah i'm glad you really you brought that up well i know go ahead sorry go ahead i was saying there i know um women that where their clients have fired them after finding out they were pregnant oh my gosh really um, yeah yeah totally i mean just because they felt uncomfortable about it um Sorry, my husband's gonna hook me Who's up with that? the charge. Oh, stud in the back there. Because like my computer's gonna die in the middle of this. Wow, how you doing? Honey? It's my supportive, loving, handsome husband. He looks so it's cool 80. with his hair. What's up, man? Oh, he's not even. He's gonna have to Sorry, oh, he's, oh, he's, I hope you can't cut that part out. You can't out. hear me. Oh, my God. No, you're good. We're definitely keeping that in. That yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm working at his office. Uh, so uh, yeah. Yeah, you've had some friends yeah. who've been fired from weddings. Yeah, for sure, from being pregnant. I, the pregnancy thing so and childbearing is really hard, and that is a huge factor, um, really, I think, into the growth of businesses for women because, you know, you want to take time to be down, and so, you know, it, you have this break where really, you know, in this industry, if you're not consistent and you're not in people's faces, you're, like, so easily forgotten, Um, but at the same time, if you're like this highly motivated person and you come back to work earlier on, then people kind of judge you like, oh, shouldn't you be like taking time with your kids? And I do think that culturally still there is this like sense of responsibility that falls on the woman. And I know also for some families, they set it up that way and that's really great. But I was actually having a conversation the other day with somebody and we were talking about, um, you know, this year was really busy for me and really busy for my husband and my kids are older. So they have a life as well. And they said, well, so do you think since you're so busy, um, maybe you'll take less weddings next year. And I was like, how interesting that they didn't suggest me pulling my kids out of events. They suggested Uh that I stop working as much. Um, and you know, I've struggled with this because you do get to a point where you feel like something's got to give. And naturally, the easiest thing to give is is the woman, you know, because, you know, my husband um, has his job and his job provides for our family more than my income does. Um, but honestly, though, at this point, we're pretty close to making equal income. And so um, but there is this sense of like underlying thing where, you know, his job seems to take priority. Hold on. I'm going to pause. My yeah. husband's the coolest guy and best ever, and I want he to is, say yeah. this is this is not about him being unsupportive because he totally is. And actually, 
Um, I know I'm really lucky as far as the amount of support I have. And he's always the one telling me to go get it, go get it, go get it. But what I'm saying is I think instinctively we all have this underlying feeling where like the men's job takes priority over the woman's job. Um, so anyway, you know, I struggled with that for a while. And then I think what I came down to is why do any of us have to sacrifice pursuing our goals or our careers? You know, why would my husband have to, he shouldn't have to, and I shouldn't have to. And my kids also shouldn't have to sacrifice pursuing their interests just because we can't handle it. And I think what I came down to is we just need to create a system where we have more support so that all of us can continue to pursue our goals and achieve our goals, um, which means just having more help, you know, yeah. bringing in other people. We hired a cleaner recently, which I am have very much been against for a long time, but we just don't have the time. And we hire a lot more people to come in and do stuff to our house, whereas my husband would love to tinker on things all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. just because you're capable doesn't mean you have the time or want yeah. to give your time when you do have the time. But um, I think there's yeah, a very ma- yeah. oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just, I was just gonna say I think there's a very mature and necessary transition to know that, like that you just because you're capable or just because you're able doesn't mean that you should totally. And knowing like yeah, my my limitations whether from time or mostly from time or you know stop mm-hmm. here and so I have to be willing to say yeah this is what it will yeah. take to to fill that void. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it is interesting. I think there's, that's probably the biggest part because I think men tend to feel this sense of responsibility and burden to provide for their families. Um, so there is an element where they maybe hit the ground running harder. But I also would say like, I have girlfriends in the photography industry where their husbands are super unsupportive. Um, because that means usually they're the ones watching the kids on the weekend. And so some guys are not into that and they don't want to be that involved or they didn't envision having a wife working like that, you know? Um, But, you know, that, that's the thing is I think having a supportive spouse as a woman in the industry is probably number one. Um, Because if you don't, like, there's no way, there's really no way to move forward. You're just, you're either going to grow your business and destroy your family or you're not going to have a business and you're going to improve your family. So that's probably a huge factor, I think. But one of the things I actually wanted to ask you guys is sometimes I feel like maybe women tend to make more emotionally based decisions where I feel like guys might be better at making business based decisions when it comes to photography. Have you thought, what do you think about that? Huh. I mean, me personally, I'm way more emotional than, uh, I, I wish I was. I, yeah. You know, when it comes to even discounts or who I want to work with or what I'm going to post and all that, it's very like, this is what I feel and that kind of thing. Yeah. I've still done fairly well for myself, but at the same time, I, when you, when you said that, I was like, no, I, I'm, I'm trying to separate the two, the, the work and the, yeah. you know, the imagery and the business. That's just something that I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, what do you feel, Levi? Yeah, I I would think that I agree with you on that, AD. I I know some friends who are guys who are photographers who are terrible at business. Yeah. And I think it's I think it ultimately comes down to being a more um, everyone's unique. Like a, everyone's some people are good at business and some people are not. Some people are more yeah. emotional, some people are not. I I personally think it probably ties back into more just like inherent societal sexism than anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think just yeah, women are aren't propped up to succeed into the same capacity that men can be propped up to succeed just through societal structures or, yeah. Um, no, I've heard this too, just the, the, I've seen it. Um, and I've also not seen it in men, but the competitive nature of photography of I'm going to be better than you and I'm going to get better weddings than you. And I'm going to make better images than you. I've seen it more in men, but it's also because I hang out with more male photographers but I've also seen, yeah, I know some people who are very, like, you know, friendly with the way they work and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but especially higher up, I've seen sort of this edgy, like, no, we're going to make more of it than you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just sort of, it's very, it seems very competitive. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you feel that from your peers or from female peers or not. I don't know. But I've definitely felt it and 
seen it. Yeah. And heard about it when you're talking with uh, talking with guys, yeah. and it's uh, it's kind of crazy actually. Yeah, interesting. No, I mean I think there if there's competition, it's more of an undertone. Um, but it seems fairly supportive. I mean, of course, there's always like a bad apple in the bunch everywhere yeah. you go that you're like, you're not going to make it just because you're a jerk. But <laughs> the, yeah. for the most part, like I would say my peers are like my female peers are really supportive. Um, you know, I'm in groups where we're very open and honest with each other about stuff and trying to push each other. So there's not this like, I'm going to get you, I'm going to beat you, but it's more like, let's just rise together. That scenario but um no i've never really encountered a direct like competitiveness you know from another woman do you have any i'm curious of your other thoughts because you you mentioned you know that uh it seems like men tend to rise to the top faster do you you mentioned like family being one thing um is there other things that you imagine being why men rise to the top faster than than women do Yeah, I mean, I wonder, even like you said, just like societal norms, like how women and men are perceived, because there is this thing where it feels, you know, that like men can also charge more, you know, than women. And I so I asked a couple friends, you know, for examples that they might have felt, you know, uh, treated differently because they were a woman Um, and they're. It's just interesting stuff. I mean, like I've experienced sexual harassment at weddings, and I know girls have, um, a lot of females have, or just general disrespect, sort of, whether it's based off of age or gender. Um, but I feel like men are perceived maybe to be more capable, you know? Um, I, I am curious, because AD mentioned a few examples that you talked about, and honestly, my thought is, is that I might ex- be experiencing it more than I realize, but my sounding board are women. And so they go, yeah, me too. Whereas like if a sound, my sounding board were men who are in the industry, they might say like, that's never happened to me, you know? So I think there's probably a lot more going on, but even just like the sexual harassment, that is, that's a pretty common theme, especially from like the groomsmen. Um, and I'm sure oh. you guys have never experienced that. Yeah. I have, you know, I, I've never experienced that, nor have I known anyone working for me to experience, you know, like if I have a female working for me. Yeah. So you're saying, I guess, going into that room with the groomsmen, with them all being guys and they're drunk, maybe, you know, it's a uh, is that when it happens or is it what What do you? Oh, it's gosh, the whole, whole day. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I mean. And this, it's not like it, this happens to me at every wedding, you know, and it's happened to me a number of times, but asking some friends to even like one of my wedding planners was saying the groomsmen were saying like utterly foul things about her behind her back, but they, within earshot, she could hear them saying this oh stuff. Um, but I, you know, I've had a guy at the reception come up and grab me from behind and start dancing, you know, and it's oh. like, I... And that guy had almost been priming me throughout the day, like coming up and having multiple conversations about my camera and things like that. And um, it was shocking, you know, just to feel like he felt as though he had established enough trust to do that and I would be okay with it. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Um, Rachel. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's really interesting. And, but that stuff never happens to guys, you know, and I'm sure there's other things that don't happen to guys. I'm, curious maybe even like on the client side sometimes i don't know if people just feel that women don't have the same uh stamina or the same like mindset as a man might that potentially the clients just have less trust or and maybe i don't want to say clients but other family members or guests you know And I think maybe it's this thing that can't really be answered unless there was more of like an in-depth study to it to ask, you know, clients and such like that. But it is an interesting conversation to have. I wanted to ask you guys, actually, because I will say at nearly every wedding, there's inevitably one guy, and it's always been a guy, I've never had a woman do this to me, that comes up and wants to talk about my camera and compare what (laughs) gear I have to their gear. Uh Uh-huh. But they want to talk to me the whole day about my camera and even about my process. But I have had multiple times by the end of the night at the reception, 
they're now asking me to use my camera. And I'm like, you have, <laughs> like, you smell like tequila. I, you're not touching my gear. I'll but I know, say, like, if that's like, yeah. Well, actually, even a quick disclaimer on that, too, because um, Rachel, you shoot film mostly, too, right? Yeah, fil- well, I film in digital. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I think that's because people who are listening may not know that. It's because, like, if, um, which is just interesting, too, if, if someone's coming up and talking to you about, especially like digital cameras, one thing, but film cameras yeah. is another. It's like where, yeah. and I'm someone pretending as if they know more than you do about yeah. your film cameras. It's like, no, yeah. there's def- I've definitely had the experience of the Uncle Bob, you know, yeah. we know this name, that character at the wedding who comes, he has his old camera and he comes and he leans up to you, like, hey, well, I've been shooting since the war, <laughs> let me tell yeah. you, you know. And so I, I definitely had that experience and have learned how to navigate it. But yeah. it's very rare that it's a younger person. This is normally yeah. someone who's older when it yeah. comes to me. And then I've had people ask me to use my camera on yeah. the dance floor just to take <laughs> yeah. a picture of me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, why? Good. Why do I'm I want a photo of myself? <laughs> right. Yeah, Especially like, at this point in the day. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, have you had yeah. people asking for your Pretty kid? minimal. I mean, yeah. it's, it definitely has happened, but typically it's an, exactly what you described, an older uncle of some kind or older guy who is like, what kind of camera are you shooting on? And then I tell them what I have, and then they tell me what they're shooting on. I'm like, oh, you could have just told me off the bat what you're shooting with because that's what you're interested in talking about. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. But I, don't think, I, did, I don't think it's I, it's not quite as condescending, though. I think it's more just like they want to talk about their stuff. It sounds more like these situations you're talking about, Rachel, are more condescending situations as if you know they know as much as you do or that they know more than yeah. you do and things yeah. where it's like, yeah. Have you, ever, yeah. have you ever had a bridesmaid or someone flirt with you at a wedding, Levi? Um. Or be inappropriate, I should say, not just. No, I don't think inappropriate. I've, I think, I'm sure it's happened. I don't feel like I'm like a good read for that stuff. Where I'm just like, <laughs> I'm in, in the, like just working on on things. Um, but I never, there's never been like a situation that was like, like, like oh man, that was, that was, definitely yeah. Something, yeah, something, I, yeah. It was very obvious. Like yeah, I can tell that that wasn't that they shouldn't have done that. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean. I've been spanked on the dance floor, but by guys <laughs> and girls, I have a really large, I have a really large butt. That's so, so terrible. It's very attractive. I, I'm just saying. I, that's Sorry, just one of those the things. way you said it is so funny. Yeah, I don't, I don't take it. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, it's happening. You're on the dance floor. Everyone's dancing. I just kind of back away. And but it's 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 funny because I can laugh about it when it happens to me, but it's not the same. You know. It's it's a violation, you know, mm-hmm. to me. I just don't think of it that way, and it's it's probably it's also not okay, doesn't happen you know? super often. Where I, yeah, yeah, but it's definitely not okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's like I don't think about it, and I don't, I don't, I don't think about it too when I have a female second shooter. It's not yeah. one of the things because I've definitely had this situation where I'm the second for a female and everyone thinks I'm the primary. Totally. And, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. listen, you got to ask her. I'm not, that's not yeah. my, my deal, you know? And so that's yeah. one of those things where I'm like, okay, something's going on here, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the thing. Cause I had a, I had a girl say that to me as well, where her husband photographs with her, but every time he comes, they think he's the lead photographer when he's not, he just is there supporting his wife. Um, so it, it is, that's why I'm saying, I think there's a lot of societal norms that fall into these, um, you know, how they perceive women versus men, you know, that create it. But I, I would say, I think probably the family element has one of the largest impacts as far as like a woman being able to grow their business. Um, because there just, there are going to be these lulls when up oh, there you go, you've had a child. So that year was a slow year, yeah, you know, well. where guys kind of can just hit the ground running and, um, I don't know. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to my husband about this at lunch and he was saying, uh, you know, like well, one of the examples I was giving him is that every time he travels for work, I have the kids, I've got it. Like it's covered. But every time I travel, I have to make childcare arrangements, you uh-huh. know? Uh-huh. And so there's just this element where it's expected to fall on me and his, his work is fairly flexible and he can help me sometimes, but for the most part, it becomes a burden to his actual, uh, functioning within his job if he has to do stuff with the kids. But, you know, and he was like, I'm sorry for that. That really sucks. But there is a lot of that, you know, where 
I feel like the responsibility of the family falls on the women more than anything. So, you know, when my kids are sick, like I've got to cancel meetings, you know, and um, obviously birthing babies, there's like a six to eight week recovery there. And, you know, you're, you're having to like pump if you're nursing, you're having to pump like during weddings. And I don't know, there just, there is an actual physical thing to it. And I think especially if you don't have a supportive spouse, that is just ultimately going to kill your business. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, so what do you think can be done? Just like, uh, I mean, this is a huge question, but in, in the minds of the people of our time in, in understanding the perception, is there anything on the side of like, Hey, this is what we can do to sort of start, changing uh people's ideas or how people are treated at weddings is there are there any thoughts uh circulating or just your thoughts or anything about hey maybe guys in the industry can take a a stand or what can be done when it comes to uh, the perception of or the treatment of women at weddings if i have no idea (laughs) because (laughs) how yeah like how realistically like I don't know. Can we make a change? I think this is great. Just like talk about it to be aware, you know, but even like that planner I was telling you about, she said, you know, the groom saw this happening and was mortified. So sure. Like he, it wasn't characteristic of the groom and he was like upset and apologetic on behalf of his friends. Yeah. But you know, a groom shouldn't have to sit down and be like, Hey guys, I know this is like my last big hurrah. Like, no feeling women up. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, right. I, I, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think about, you know, ultimately we're in the service industry and I think it's going to come down to how people receive or perceive service. You know, sure. you've got the people that go out to eat and they are very, um, you know, empathetic to servers and they understand how hard they work and how they have to juggle. And they're very kind. And then you have people that go out and they're furious, you know, if an order was placed wrong or their drink wasn't refilled. And I think it's the same thing. Ultimately, almost every time I sit down and have a vendor meal, I just think we're all eating the same shitty food for dinner. We <laughs> are. Yeah. Ben, you know, I don't know <laughs> all the guys names. So like KT Mary, like everybody, we're all sitting down eating these crappy vendor meals. And sometimes we get some good ones and sometimes we get no- noodle mush is my um, assistant oh, called it last gosh, week. <laughs> noodle mush. And you're like, you look at these weddings and you're like, wow, these are like, you know, sometimes I, it's a half a million dollar production for the weekend and you're sitting right. down and you're like, I'm so grateful for, you know, cold food. This is yep. awesome. And yep. <laughs> but ultimately we are, we're service people. We're in this industry where we're here to serve. And so I think it comes down to how people perceive people in service, you know, sure. and some people are really empathetic and kind. And some people are very much like almost this class system to it. Yeah. And I think that will affect how you are perceived at a wedding. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Uh, interesting i'm sort of thinking too just like from when i've had second photographers that were female i still always photograph the bride and i'll have them go to the groom but now that i'm hearing this i'm just like oh maybe i shouldn't do that like if you know i should or just i should just be more like aware you know like obviously talking about it helps but yeah I'm just, uh, I'll just, I'm having, I'm thinking out loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how uh, I yeah. function. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. so on, not to, I think this is a really important conversation, but I'm also curious, Rachel, just cause you, yeah, you are an amazing businesswoman and, uh, I'm curious about just some of what you are excited about in the future, like what's coming next for you and what you're aspiring to and kind of what's on maybe your horizon. Cause I think you, um, yeah, you seem like you've kind of been like checking off these like these bucket list items and these goals that you've had. And yeah. I think I'm just curious, hey, where where are you headed next? Yeah. Um, no, thank you. I I'm like personally a super competitive person. So I and it's competitive against myself. It's not so much against my friends. It's just that I'm all in or I'm all out, and that's just how I function with everything in life. Is I don't want to have to ask anything. And so I mean, I would just. 
love to be known as one of the best photographers in the industry. I mean, that's like my old talking about, yeah. yo. <laughs> what are you yeah. talking about? I just, Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> You're so Sorry, um, but yeah, I mean, currently from like uh, where I stand now, I'm trying to work outside of Colorado more. So, you know, obviously the industry or our season here is really compact. And so mm-hmm. all my business is done in five to six months, which is nuts. And I'm missing summer and I would love to work 12 months out of the year, yeah. you know, versus is, five or six. Is most of your work in Colorado? A ton of it is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would say I'm out of state two to three weddings a year. Okay. Um, and I would love to make that about half. I, I don't want to leave Colorado at all. I love working here and I love being in the mountains. Um, but I would love to spread it out and work with some more notable names as well as just in other industry or sorry, other um you know, locations. Yeah. So what locations would you like to start exploring more? Um, California has been like my initial primary target. So I have had a few California weddings and I'm getting a lot more inquiries, which is great. Um, and that's kind of my first step, but like, I'll go anywhere. You know, I just, I like you guys, I think are similar. I constantly crave new. I do not like working at the same place again and again and again. I do not want yeah. to know what I'm walking into. It's really fun to just come in and go, okay, who are these people and what is this going to be about? Mm -hmm. And just translate that into a unique story for them. That is just fueling for me. Um, So I don't really care what it is. How do you overcome some of that? Because I feel like if, because you you shoot more luxury weddings than probably a lot of photographers in Colorado. And I feel like there's not as many luxury venues in Colorado. So I imagine you're kind of shooting a lot of places two, three times a year, if not you know, and then stack that on year on year. Like, how do you keep things interesting? Um, honestly, like in Aspen, really, like I've had a planner book me for a date and I was like, where's the wedding? She's like, we don't know yet. Because the thing is, is there's so many vacant million dollar homes just like sitting there and you can rent them out for weddings all mm-hmm. the time. So, I mean, that's what this couple ended up doing. They found a house and they rented it out. So, um, there's kind of, you know, in Aspen, I don't, there's not a lot of repeat. I've worked at the Little Nail multiple times, but the thing is, is that is such an inspiring, beautiful view. It kind of doesn't really get old, yeah. but I'm usually there once a year, maybe twice a gotcha. year, okay. which is fine. But yeah, um, I, I enjoy working at places that, you know, have this like private estate element to it. There's, there's a lot of that happening, but in Vail, it's different. There's a lot of repeat. So for me, it's just been saying no more often. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, I want to know and I, I want to talk about your, your imagery and sort of how your vision for, you know, just the, the images that you create because they're so beautiful. Thank you. Uh, beautiful is how you say that. And they're so <laughs> luxurious. They have this feel to them. Um, and I, it's no doubt that you're one of the best in the industry. Uh, but can you peel the layer back a little bit about how you go about crafting your images and thinking through that? Yeah, for me, honestly, I just am such a heart-led person. That's how I live life. That's that how I work. That's how it is that it's really dependent on the couple for me. My, my biggest goal is to be instant friends with these people. And there are a lot of times where most of the times I don't talk to my couples prior to the wedding. The planner potentially might have a hands-off approach where, the you know, my communication is only with the planner. And I'm walking in on a Friday night to rehearsal dinner seeing these people for the first time ever. And so for me, it's like, we're going to be friends. We're going to be friends right now. And so it's kind of creating this connection with them instantly getting them to feel comfortable where they feel free sort of to just let it down and let go. And I try to be inspired by the person in front of my camera. I don't ever want to make somebody do something that is not authentic to who they are. So while I can't, I do direct my couples, I don't have a set of poses that I'm working through. Um, I would never tell people to put their foreheads together and close their eyes and just hold it. Um, if they do that, <laughs> they do that. Like, I'm no, I, I've done that before. That. Yeah. Fighting words. Yeah. yeah. Horrible. <laughs> but you oh, know, like, gosh. I mean, and this comes off of 
years of working with people and trying stuff out and going, yeah, that definitely did not work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, what was the guy's name? There was like a method where you would like walk people through like question prompts and get them to do stuff and say play games do you know what i'm talking about no i don't know it's just some 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 photographer's methodology or whatever yeah yeah so i remember trying that one time with this couple and the dude was like this is the stupidest thing ever like right in front of me (laughs) and i was like oh god you know you're right it is yeah (laughs) like early on in my business it works for certain people i'm sure but yeah um, yeah, I think uh, I've always been incredibly observant and in tune to people's feelings and uh, body language. And so I feel like I can read people really well and I can tell if they feel comfortable and trust me and I can tell if they don't. And I can tell when the groom needs to walk away and have a break. And I can tell when the bride is feeling, you know, like she's lacking confidence. And um, for me, I am very verbally like uh, feeding into my clients and not out of like force, but literally I am actually inspired in that moment. And a lot of times I'm just like, Oh my God. Yes. Like this is so pretty, you know, and I hear myself and I'm like, I sound like a fool, but like <laughs> I generally can't contain my excitement. I'm, I'm generally and genuinely inspired by who's in front of my camera. And so, uh, it's different for everybody. And I, that's the way I want it to be. Like I would hate, hate if my client opened a gallery and it looked just like another gallery of mine. I just want it to be authentic to who they are. That's awesome. That's really cool. Guys, you heard it here first. We're here at the Blacklight Pod. Rachel, where can people find you online? What's your, uh, what's, what are your handles? RachelHavel.com and RachelHavel at Instagram. Awesome. It's just awesome. a record. It's, it is Havel. Havel. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, I'm glad I, I didn't say yeah, your name first. Havel and Havel and what it's cool. Havel. <laughs> Havel uh, like I'm, I have at the end of my last name <laughs> no that's perfect uh, I'm so inspired all of the t- every time I talk to you feels like I feel like I need to get back on my business game every You're time sick. I talk, talk to you Rachel I'm like oh no yeah I gotta do this I gotta do this <laughs> now I'm gonna start watching The Bachelor so I can talk to no. these ladies and all that kind of stuff. And, well, for what it's worth, Rachel, I know I know that uh, this isn't your goal, but I think you're. I think it's a step in your goal. I think I think you're one of the best photographers in Colorado, at least here. Yeah. And so I think you are well on okay. your way to being one of the best photographers out there. You buttering up like no, that. just it's the gym. I feel like if I, no, if I see like a, a wedding planner, it's like, oh, who's a photographer? I was like, oh, it's Rachel. Okay, it's, it's like well, you know awesome. the images are going to be yeah, amazing. It's going to be great. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's the oh truth. man, yeah. thank you so much. That's so kind. It means a lot to me. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much, Rachel. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye.